Welcome to another episode of Haven of Horror. God damn it, Austin. Uh, this is episode 17, I believe. We're discussing Hereditary and uh, The Witch. Uh, welcome back, Dan Tory. Always glad to have you here, man. Thanks glad. for having me, guys. He's going to give us like a thought-provoking essay, and I'm just going to be like, uh, it was a good movie. <laughs> and also, welcome back, Austin. We've uh, We've missed you, buddy. Ah, uh, yeah, you guys dragged me back, crawling or uh, yeah, crawling and screaming. <laughs> he, he's crying tears of joy, just wiping away all the uh... all the pain. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, so tonight we're just gonna kind of jump straight into it. I don't have a lot of preamble, uh, other than Milton and I did do our Buffy season two discussion. If you'd like to check that out, it's in the channel. It'll be in the channel description after the video. Uh, so with Hereditary, I believe I'm going to have Dan talk about Hereditary first, because, you know, you like this movie quite a bit. We all do. Oh, yeah. Uh, so tell us about Hereditary. Uh, so Hereditary's a horror movie, uh, directed by Ari Aster, and, um, the basic, um, plot is there's sort of this family that we meet at the beginning of the story, um, the, uh, grandmother, um, or mother of our main character, which is Tony Collette's character, um, passes away, and it's sort of like the fallout of, of that, and you get to see like this family. There's something going on with them. They're all very isolated, and uh, there's a lot of unspoken things between them. Eventually, as the film goes on, you figure out that the uh, grandmother was involved in this satanic cult, and there's sort of like this... Um, this ritual that they did to have the the uh, one of the kings of hell inhabit the body of one of Tony Collette's children, so she has a lot of conflicted feelings about even being a mother. And it it it's a movie thematically about like uh, a family that hates each other, and uh, it's really interesting. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think both of these movies kind of have like people in this in, that are terrible parents. Yeah, like want to be better parents. Yeah, uh, good, good it, combo, Austin. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Austin put together all of the movies that we have reviewed. Uh, the combos. Well, it's funny because I just put them together because it's like I got two new big horror directors since their first film. But yeah, they actually do kind of maybe not parallel, but like uh, they do have some similarities. It's kind of interesting. Out of the three picks, you've given us one, one good. That we've had so far. <laughs> Whatever, that's because you guys picked badly. Hey, we we just spun a wheel, okay? A quiet place was actually pretty good. If you guys haven't that's seen true. it, you should watch it. It's pretty good. You guys got to watch Blades. So get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but anyway, this is under hereditary. Uh, but yeah, this is very much about a family who kind of hates each other. Uh, and then of course, it's also very much about grief. Um, to the point of. They're, the grief scenes almost made me uncomfortable just because of how good they are, and I'm just like, like stop, you're too good at this. Yeah, the most uh, horrifying scene in the entire movie is uh, because uh, the daughter dies in the film, and Toni Collette's uh, like screaming when she finds the body. Yeah, yeah, when she's like on the floor and the dad is like holding her. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and the way it's cut, like. It like it could have come off as like funny because it like just cuts straight to her just like screeching, but her performance is so good that it, like it's really powerful. It is. Um, she in many ways carries this this movie. Um, I think you put like an actress of any lesser quality, the like the movie would still be good, 
but it wouldn't be like remembered as re- as well remembered as it is because no, of her. Not at all. She mm-hmm. knocks it out of the park and thank goodness she is as good as she is, considering how much screen time we give to the character and that we need to give to her. Considering the theming of, you know, the idea of hereditary sin or fault or something like that that seems to get passed down from like generation to generation. At least at least that's my interpretation of like some of the theming here, just based on especially the title. Oh yeah. I think that's definitely a thing. I mean, like she passes down a bunch of different like you know sort of um burdens to her family like her kids clearly have mental health problems just like she did and like she says her brother did and um that seems to be a thing that runs in her side of the family and the family all kind of blames her for um the distance between them because of how like she let the mother get her hooks into the kids um at least the second one and all that kind of stuff so um yeah i think you know it it definitely is about like what parents pass on to their kids um from generation to generation not just genetically but like the trauma that they experience how that affects them that's what that sort of stuff hello mm-hmm. noah good to see you as always and you as well josh uh pretty regular viewers over uh on the channel yeah so we appreciate that it, um, there's definitely a heavy matriarchal uh, element to this certainly um, absolutely or like the dominant female voice uh it's like the best stuff can come from that but also some of the worst stuff as well just based on you know how you were reared and you know what your focus is you know if you're focusing on trying to bring up uh you know a devil essentially chances are it's going to yeah. affect everyone else in your family I'm um, concerned we we foreshadow certainly the whole you know insanity and possession thing like early on when she references uh you know the the idea of like insanity within the family because of the many different attempts that uh I think Tony Glut's uh, brother had uh, hmm. well that's one of the best things about this movie is the attention to detail like you notice it more and more on rewatches but there, like even stuff like You'll see like just random uh, like footprints around the house of like cultists that like are like clearly like spying on them and stuff and like the because um, at the end of the film there's a bunch of uh, nude cultists at the house and like people show up like in the background of scenes throughout the movie. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, instances of that is there's a scene where the son is sort of in his room smoking a bowl. And he, like, opens the window to blow the smoke out, and the camera shifts to, like, an outside perspective. And just off screen, you can hear and see, like, breath, cold breath in the wind, like, watching him. And um, that's one of the things I noticed on a repeat viewing, because it happens, like, quickly. Um, And there's also, like, when they're at the um, funeral, um, there's, like, people that give them, like, weird looks, and then if you, like, notice later on in the film, they're the same people that are nude at the house, so they've been, like, involved ever since, like, the very early scenes of the movie. Um, I don't know, it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's funny, because a big complaint this film got, at least that I've heard uh, since it came out, is that the cult stuff just kind of, like, pops up out of nowhere uh, at the end. But I think, um... Like, maybe people missed stuff, and then when you go on repeat, repeat viewings, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's all all throughout the film. They're setting everything up. 
That's why I think there's so much foreshadowing. Yeah, I think a repeat viewing definitely allows you to see the puzzle pieces. Like once you once you see the picture at the end, you're able to kind of see how it was built piece by piece as the movie goes on. Like a model house, yeah. 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 <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember <clears throat> the first time I watched this because I had been hearing about it, but I'm not usually uh, a guy that watches like possession films. I find most of them are pretty typical and like boring, and I can see what's going to happen. This movie shocked me the first time I watched it, and then like in a good way. Uh, so I, I got to give it props for that. Uh, it obviously loses some of that, you know, on re- repeat viewings because you know what's coming. But I did kind of find it a little bit funny, and maybe this is just my sense of humor. That he, like, his sister dies and then he just, like, goes home, leaves the body in the car and just goes to bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think first... he was just, like, so in shock at the time that he, like, mm-hmm. didn't know how to say anything about it to his mom. Because you get yeah. that feeling when he's, like, standing outside the bedroom, like, while she's screaming. Like, like he wants to go and, like, talk to her about it, but he's he can't, you know? Yeah, well, yeah and you get that scene later where she screams at him for, uh... Like not having the responsibility to do anything about it. Yeah. There's an element to his character where we consistently see him wanting to reject reality or like look at something to like smoking pot as a means to kind of like affect how he perceives things. We see at the end him just trying to like convince himself that his her mother cutting her head off is uh you know, just a dream. Um him also not wanting to accept responsibility at all, or sometimes just counter the you know, accusations of lack of responsibility by saying that the mother is responsible. You know, stuff yeah. like that. It... There's a lot of finger pointing, and I think like you know, the 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 weed smoking is definitely like a crutch for him that I think, you know, goes back to the fact that his mother didn't really want him because she was afraid that, you know, her mother would turn her firstborn son into this possessed devil you know like she tried to do with her brother and her father before um so funny thing is that probably would have happened and and it did eventually happen yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, i agree noah says that he prefers the witch but he thinks hereditary is scarier hereditary is probably outright scarier and it has more like disturbing scenes but the witch is just more consistent like I think it depends on like what gets you personally, because each thing has their own trigger for certain people. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one of the best things about this film is it's like you'll get like a twenty-minute stretch, and then it'll be like boom, something shocking happens. And then like twenty minutes of dealing with that, and then like boom, so the next big thing happens. So like you're always kind of moving forward like that. You know, like uh, you get to start with the daughter's death, and then like we have to deal with the deal with that and then um after that i think you get like the cult stuff starts to creep in there's always like a there's always like a slow burning kind of like rising tension behind these things like some of it does come as a shock but some of the scarier stuff is you know the stuff that you're aware of but you only get like the full grasp of it after it's lingered there for a while which is i think what makes the uh the decapitation scene the aftermath i think such a brilliantly shot thing there's a lot of stuff like that in this movie um, in terms of like scares that I really enjoy. And again, noticed on repeat viewings. Um, the first, I didn't see this movie in the theater the first time, so maybe it was like very apparent to people that saw it there. But I watched it on sort of a smaller screen. 
And there's a scene where the son is like down in the living room towards the end of the movie after the mother's been possessed. And there's a shot like close up on his face. And like behind him, you can see the mother like on the ceiling, like looking down on him. And I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. And like the second time, I was like, oh my God, there she is. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a thing about like aspect ratio where if you see something smaller, you're able to see a bit more. Yeah. Big stuff in your peripheral can get, you know, overtaken. Sure. Yeah, there's also the part where he's like in bed, and it's just a shot of the room, and she's like hiding in the corner, uh, like the top corner. And yeah, if you like see it, you see it, and you're like, holy shit! But like, if you don't, it's like whatever. You're still so drawn into what's happening. Austin must see all those little details then, because he's got a tiny ass TV. Oh yeah, Josh <laughs> says hereditary made me feel dirty. What, what do you mean, man? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I did notice the the one that Dan mentioned, her like hiding up in the corner, and that shit in film always freaks me out. No matter how bad the movie is, if you do that thing where like there's something in the corner but they don't draw attention to it, if you notice it, you notice it. Always manages to freak me out just because like it's unnatural to the frame. Yeah, uh, so I appreciate them them doing that because I really I really like that little attention to detail. Well, Tony Collette turns into Spider Man, as Josh says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's another very interesting thing about this film there's a through line of greek tragedy that's uh, that's very present throughout this i i remember actually i was fortunate enough to actually see a greek play actually being performed in my college and it's one of the things that i kept noticing within the framing of the shots of how similar it is to a greek tragedy not just in what is being said in the classroom but also you know the sets the model designs and even the end shot as well as very reminiscent of you know, that blocking and, uh, you know, posturing with actors and whatnot. Yeah, they do a good job of making it look like it's all, or, like, not all of it, obviously, but there's a lot of shots that, like, really emphasize the whole model model home thing. Like, you both start and end with that, and there's just shots throughout where you get, like, a whole room, and it's like that, like you're looking into a uh, model house. It's just I really, really like that. Shot. Yeah, I agree. I really like that as a framing device because it's like, you know, from the beginning, very beginning of the movie, they're trapped in like this life that's been sort of constructed for them that they're pawns in and they really don't have any power to change thing about anything about it. The cult ha- already has them in their grasp as soon as the mother dies, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that, you know, Annie also works on those things and she feels... Like, you know, the like she needs to be able to make these little worlds she can control and everything else in her life kind of spins out of control at the same time. It's cool stuff. Like fate kind of frames its own play. Yeah. And, exactly. and we are the players in life. Of, you know, we just, it, it goes into an idea of, is it truly a tragedy if you don't have choice? Which is definitely an interesting idea that I'm, I'm honestly still not sure how to answer. Is it tragedy if you don't have choice, then you just see it that's play out? Or is it more tragic because there is no choice? See, I think, yeah. I think with things like that, it's more tragic because you never had a choice in the beginning. But then what was? But then, what's the point of worrying if things are just going to happen anyway? Well, but your protagonist doesn't know that. True, but we are the audience. For, for us, it's a very meta thing where we're clearly the audience and Ariaster knows that and wants us to make us feel like we're kind of in it. We're supposed to be outsiders to this event, making us think: Can we insert ourselves in this situation, or should we just completely disassociate? 
like how the characters want to disassociate from reality constantly and want to shift blame. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, maybe I, I have that hard time of getting just like putting myself into the movie, but like when I'm watching the movie, I'm just watching this character and like seeing what he wants to do. And if it's a tragedy like that, that he has no choice, I feel bad for that character because he isn't aware that he has no choice. Like, I don't know, you, you just made it sound really complicated. Uh, I think it's an interesting detail. <laughs> Maybe it's projection, but, you know, something I think about constantly because the film quite literally says it through the classroom teacher. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong about that in the sense that um, Annie's character, like, thing that, like, the burden she carries throughout the whole movie is, like, the choices she made as a parent and, like, how many of them were poor and, like, her kids don't let that leave that down. Live, let her live that down even though it's unsaid. Like, she carries that burden with her still even though everyone, like, you know, acts like everything's fine and they, like, have dinner together and put on, a you know, the show that there's no tension between them. But it's always underlying. Um, and she thought she could just kind of run away from that. And so, and so did the kids too, you know, they kind of go into their own little private worlds to escape from confronting it. Um, it does on medication all the time too. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, even, uh, even they're very isolated. Like, you know, she goes out to the movies by herself all the time and the husband's just basically like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, he doesn't try to like go in there because he like he I think he inherently realizes that like she needs time away from him, but I they don't really spend all that much time like together at all in the movie, and whenever they're together, they kind of are at each other's throats. And uh, he, he always likes to shut conversation down because he knows where it's where it leads, and he doesn't yeah. he wants to avoid conflict at all costs. Yeah, exactly. yeah, he's like the one trying to keep everything together, but. Uh, that's all falling apart. Yeah. I think it's pro. I think it's probably just a repeated pattern of constantly doing that. That eventually just leads to this explosion. It's probably been a just how he deals with the his relationships in general. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. Like, you know, many of these characters thought they could just, you know run away from the associations they have with their parents as well. Like, Annie thought she could just, uh, you know forget the fact that her mother was this like crazy devil worshiper person and move forward with her life. But that wasn't possible. Unfortunately, you all, you always have to kind of deal with the hand that life deals you, I suppose. So come uh, to terms with it and try to, you know, adapt. Yeah. Uh, Josh says that, yeah, it was a great framing device talking about the, the model house thing. I also think this maybe really preys on people who have children and people who are scared of shadows. Also, originally, initial cut of the film, it was revealed that the husband used to be Annie's therapist. Oh, really? That would—that's very interesting. Although, hmm, I don't know. Would that have enhanced the film if we had seen that? Well, it's definitely like I know in the the therapist profession, that's like highly unethical. Um, you're not yeah. supposed to do that. So, <laughs> I think it would have also added a, another layer of their relationship because, like, she's yeah, definitely, the person who. Is supposed to cure her, for lack of a better term. Yeah, uh, it it may be why he always puts distance between him and her because he has a, he did it habitually within their you know professional relationship, but when it bled together, it just distorted and perverted things over time. Maybe. Yeah. 
I like this movie. It's very detailed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like this movie. Um, it's like it's it. not my favorite or anything, but I, I do like what it's doing quite a bit. Um, the little girl also. So I don't know anything about like what people speculate about this movie or anything. But is the idea that she is possessed at the beginning because she's really fucking weird? Like, yeah, she's supposed. I, yes, to be. she's possessed. Yeah, yeah, because like, um, the the king of hell that they summon, Payman, he needs to be in the body of a male host, and Annie wouldn't let the king's like spirit go into her first kid, but the mother, um, did that with the second one, and it like made her all like you know disfigured in the way that she is and socially awkward because like it's that king's spirit in the wrong body um it's like i don't want to be trapped in these women i want a man's body yeah like he so he like in the film they mentioned that like the grandmother um would like breastfeed the the young little girl when she was a baby and then like all that stuff started like happening to her. So I would imagine the ritual involved her like breastfeeding and like, cause they call her like the queen at the end when there's like the two pictures of them, there's the king and the grandmother is supposed to be the queen. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, you get that, uh, like placemat, uh, cause her name is Charlie and there's like a placemat that was made for, for the, uh, Charles, when it was supposed to be like, uh, they thought it would be a boy because they needed uh, like the second child to be a boy to put him in. Yeah. 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 And it's also interesting too, because when you see the kind of demon uh, guy, you see like a drawing of him and he's holding uh, the like heads of three decapitated women. Mm-hmm. And then of course you have like the daughter, or yeah, the daughter, uh, Tony Collette, and the grandmother. Uh, they're all decapitated throughout the film, and their heads yeah. are like all there in the final scene when the son uh, becomes possessed. Yeah, all that stuff is really cool. Um, I a while ago look, I forget all the mo- like a lot of it off the top of my head now. But when I saw this movie for the first time, I was looking up into like the like the actual Christian mythology surrounding this stuff and. Uh, mm-hmm. It's pretty on point from what I remember in terms of like um who paint like payment is one of the real kings of hell and he has like a specific role and all that stuff. So Yeah. Like apparently he's according to the Goetia and Wire, apparently he's like he's like subservient to Lucifer almost directly. At yeah. least according to those texts, yeah. Yeah. In in that sort of uh occultist kind of thing. Um there's also like references to like Mesopotamian mythology with that as well, and it's there's a lot of history behind this uh, character, and occasionally makes his appearance in video games for whatever reason. So oh, interesting. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Video games pull from all kinds of mythologies yep. all the time. It's mostly anime stuff and Japanese stuff. So there you go. <laughs> scare off Austin again. Where's my hang up button? Yeah, we we're did the Vampire Hunter Demon Demon. Demon. and Austin was like, uh, I can't come on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's a very rich history for this sort of thing. Um, it also goes a bit into, as well, uh, The Witch, but in a in a different blend of that sort of yeah. Yeah. history kind of thing. With, like, Enochian uh, language and text and whatnot. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, with this film, you know, it obviously deals with mental issues uh, quite a bit as well. Do you, what do you guys think? Is there actually a demon? May, and I might have missed something, or is it all in this, like, family's head? 
Oh, there's definitely like a demon. If we're to take what we see seriously, and sometimes we can't. Sometimes it's we're just we're immersed into the world that the characters see. And maybe then it is in our heads, but to this point it doesn't matter. People still die. I think though that there is. I think this is like elevated supernatural horror where payment really does come into play. Yeah. I think and you in the see plot of the flying movie, and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think in the plot of the movie it's definitely there, but you're onto something in the sense that I think the demon is supposed to be a metaphor for passing down mental illness from like generation to generation. Like the grandmother was the first one that manifested it, then her daughter tried to like you know, get away from that, and she still, like, has anxiety issues. She goes to the group therapy sessions, um, and then the son dissociates from reality, like um, you were mentioning earlier, and um, the Charlie is, like, socially awkward and all that sort of stuff, so it's like the demon touches all of the people that have that sort of mental illness. Like, the father, like, he seems to be normal enough, and he doesn't, I mean, he just gets killed by it. He never gets possessed by it, you know what I mean? Um, so it's fucking that's the way barbecued. Alternatively, Peter just took a really fat bong rip and he just <laughs> so hard. Uh, Josh thinks that this is there's definitely a demon, but there's also something inherently off about the mental stability about the family. Paimon might represent, yeah, I mean, yeah. so that's what we're saying, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there really is a demon, but I think it's what Dan said is that. As much as there is a literal demon, the real demon is just this history of mental illness and this like this fucked up family. Because I mean, this is one of the like most fucked up families on film I've seen in a long time. Yeah, and they're like not stereotypically like fucked up. No, uh, it's not like Family Guy. It's... Well, it's not like a Rob Zombie movie. There's actual like class in the filmmaking here <laughs> but it's very relatable issues with you that know family resentment yeah it's, it's like, just people that don't really know how to communicate with each other it's realistic in that way and i really enjoyed the family dynamic because of that it's not like oh the dad like beats everyone in the family like it's not that obvious it's like he just doesn't let them um discuss their problems between each other well enough in order for them to move on past them as a family. Um, and all of them ha contribute to the lack of communication in some ways, you know? Um, I love that aspect and, of it. And no real discipline either. He just, he gives his orders, he, he gets frustrated, but then he doesn't do anything. If his children, I don't know, do something bad. Yeah, he seemed kind of checked out by the time the movie starts. Like, the way he, like, gives the son the suit at the beginning. He's like, all right, here's your suit. My mother-in-law just died. <laughs> <laughs> I know he should be celebrating. His mother-in-law just died. <laughs> well, what I, I like his with his character progression is just him getting more and more frustrated with his wife. Yeah. Uh, especially once their daughter dies and she just keeps continually doing crazy shit. Yeah. Uh, like the seance and all this other stuff, and then it oh God. it's been a couple hours since I watched this, and I've watched The Witch since, so The Witch is like fresher in my mind. Mm -hmm. Did she throw the book in the fire the second time, or did he do it? No, uh, she she throws the book in the fire. Okay, and then he bursts into flames. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's but that's his year. breaking point where he's like, okay, I can't I can't deal with this anymore. You gotta stop. Yeah. It's like, I, I've gotta intervene at this point, but it's too late. So, yeah. 
I think my favorite shot, just like for horror though, is the scene in the attic where like you you hear this like sawing noise, and you look up and it's the mom like sawing her head off. It's really well executed. Oh yeah, that's one yeah, of the I, scenes in the movie. Yeah, definitely with character archetypes. Uh, there's also references to Agamemnon and his story. And well, um, if anybody knows mythology around the story, Agamemnon pretty much comes back. And to his wife, and his wife is crazy and starts, you know, just killing members of the family. Oh. So I think that there's definitely an archetype with uh, the father's character with uh, inserting him into like the role of Agamemnon. This. I'm, I'm wondering if there are other archetypes here as well. It just requires more research. It's sure. Yeah. I wonder. Milton has been waiting for this moment. It's... He's pulling up like proper scripture, like name dropping the Scorpion King over here. <laughs> I haven't even referenced scripture yet. We haven't even gone to the witch or oh, the Vivitch, I guess, depending on how you want to pronounce it. I mean, it's clearly the witch. Like, Vivitch. No, it's well, I mean, Vivitch. When the script of how it was written like back then, it's like they just put the two V's together, but they were separate. But it's just weird type typology kind of things like way back in the day. Uh, oh, uh, Josh says the dinner scene is one of the best written and acted arguments on film. Uh, it's I really agree. well done. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's the scene I was referencing earlier where um, uh, she yells at the sun. Um, it's like oh, for not taking responsibility. Yeah. It's yeah. like a slow boil because Peter starts the conversation and you, it's like you, you have a feeling where it's going to end up and then just explodes. It's Yeah, and you can tell she's like not in a good state of mind right before that because uh, that's the scene where she's making like the miniature model of her daughter being decapitated and the, the dad comes in and he's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like, come on. It's like, come on, woman, you... This isn't healthy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I do with the dad's position. Honestly, like I kind of understand him just being like, I, I give up. <laughs> you people yeah, are yeah. fucking insane. He just seemed really tired after years of trying to keep a family together with a cracked foundation. Like there's like even before all of this started happening, they were all they they would all hang out in their different wings of the house. Like Annie was in her workshop, he would be in the living room, the kid would be in his room smoking weed and the uh and the daughter would be like in her room drawing. They didn't really spend much time together as a family and then like when they're at dinner, he doesn't even know like Peter doesn't I mean, I know, like, there's an underlying tension in the scene, but he doesn't really know how to talk to his parents at the dinner. It's very awkward, you know? Yeah, it goes oh. back to the whole, like, like framing a, a model, essentially. You would have, like, one character in each room of this model house. Yeah, They'd exactly. all be doing some sort of activity there, so it's very much in the theme of, like, construction, but isolation at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn though, I like to just imagine instead of her in her room drawing, she's out in the yard just like cutting heads off birds and shit. Like, oh yeah, because she does do that too. She does yeah. that at school and apparently gets away with it. And that's another foreshadowing thing for the beheadings later on in the movie, like the fact that she is constantly like cutting heads off of birds and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we, yeah, and when they're driving to uh, the party before she gets decapitated, you see the pole where it happens. 
it has, and it the, has the symbol of the cult on it. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't even. And the grandmother that. is wearing it as a necklace at her funeral too, in the open <laughs> casket. That symbol. Yeah. It's like a lot of small details that you just notice on repeat viewings that you don't notice because you're just you're taking it all in. The shock at the events is just consuming your mind, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so detail oriented, and like you'll never pick that up on like a first or probably even a second or third viewing. But just like as you watch it more and more, I uh, start to notice everything. It's, it's so dense. Cool. Every shot just has so much detail. <laughs> exactly. You are way too excited about that. Every shot has at least one green screen effect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a marble? No. You have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> it's the Star Wars prequels. It's like Rick McCallum in an interview, basically. So it's so dense. Every shot in... Um, I get it references it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, So we also get a couple of different scenes in this movie of uh, the main kid uh, after Mm -hmm. his sister's died, like choking, almost like he's having an allergic reaction. Is that like, I'm assuming that's a parallel with the daughter because she was possessed and that's how she actually died. I think so too. Plus, like, um, you know, like having a weed panic attack. I've heard of people having, you know, those kind of breakdowns, and he hadn't really, like, emotionally dealt with, at least in his own mind, what had happened yet. So, it, I don't know. I loved uh, that scene. That was a great one, too. I, I feel don't I'm do very qualified to talk about this movie. I feel like I need to watch it, like, ten more times and, like, take notes <laughs> and, like, write yeah. an essay. And, like, in point of the film, you would want to watch it more times. It shows up well-constructed this movie is. Um, which makes Midsummer all the more disappointing. Absolutely, yeah. I was really disappointed by that movie, because I, mean, I love Hereditary, and uh, yeah, Midsummer's not nearly as good as this. Like so. some of what Midsummer does, and you see some yeah. similar framing devices and whatnot, but just, it doesn't serve a greater whole, unfortunately. Yeah. You could just cut giant chunks out of that movie and make it more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, like the uncomfortable sex scene that happened. Oh, God. We just watched The Wicker Man, because it's just The Wicker Man, but for three hours and with no Nick Cage, so <laughs> it's like boring. It's, it's The Wicker Man, but in Sweden. Sweden, right? Mm. That's what that's why it is? It, or is it Denmark? Since, it's since one of the Scandinavian a... nations. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, so if there's anywhere right? that I wouldn't want to be, it's there. <laughs> you can't talk. You live in Canada. It's better than Sweden. <laughs> Since you brought it up, uh, I was joking with, with Milton before you guys hopped in. Uh, is is uh, the director of these movies okay? Because, like, both of these movies are just about, like, the horrifying death of someone. Like, what did he go through to inspire him to write these two movies? I don't know. It seems like he's had really bad family dynamics and really bad relationships, maybe? And, like, yeah. everyone that he knows died in horrific ways? Yeah. Uh, if that's true, it's a relatable problem, I would say. Yeah, definitely. That's, like, the thing that's great about this movie and, I guess, Midsummer to a lesser degree, but he, th- I like this director grounds the horror in, like, real human things. It's not like, oh, there's a spooky ghost in the house! Things go boom. Like the the scary thing is about is is human nature really. Like that's what you're 
um, that's what causes all of the conflicts in the film and the um, the the reasons why all these characters, you know, don't go on the right path. I don't know. Um, that's like what we talked about with The Shining in that way, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh, like the no. gradual exposure to these supernatural elements rather than just bringing it out to the fray, you know, yeah, outside. Noah yeah. says Alex Wolf is pretty good in this movie, but not as good as his brother is in Death Note. Get out of here, Noah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the last thing I really want to bring up before we move in, move on to the next movie, is the thing I did kind of find kind of funny is you have that scene where he like goes up in the attic and you have like I assume it's the mother like beating her head on the wall, uh, like the. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and the door to uh, to the attic, to the attic. and she's odd, and somehow instantly like up, strung up in the attic, cutting her head off. While she's possessed, yeah, because oh, like okay. she also does that. Um, you know, like when she's up in the corner of the room, that shot I mentioned, where it's like a close up, and then like they uh, immediately cut to her like on the ground chasing him. So like she moves like really fast and can get around i guess also they can fly apparently as it's shown in like a later scene but true too yeah corpses doesn't even have to climb a ladder to get up they just float up yeah well in which she's cutting her head to cutting her head off she's flying too that's true yeah we well, all float i just was here. wondering because even if she's flying like how did she get in there without any kind of noise but i mean it's it's not a huge deal it's just something i noticed by this or point, I guess the scary just... skeletons did it, yeah. or it's just the cult just has so much power me. over the house. I guess, like even reality warps. I guess. Yeah, I mean, they definitely did something in the house because the, the they find a pentagram in the mom's room, pretty close to the beginning of the film. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you guys have any final thoughts about Hereditary before we give our ratings and move on? Um. Uh, my sister does the, like, cluck thing that the little girl in this movie does. Oh, no. So when I first watched it, I, like, I was like, ah, no, like, put me right into that scene. <laughs> oh, I was like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Except for this movie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it uses that. Um, the clucking noise as, as like a noise to cut between like different flashes of scenes at one point. It's really oh, cool! cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I saw this movie blind, and I was like, oh, nice. it blew my mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same here. I was very fortunate to not have like a lot of the stuff spoiled, although people definitely tried. Um, I didn't watch this in theaters. I watched it, you know, in a dark room alone. Yeah, same. That goes for both of these movies, and both of them. By like, I like started at like three or four in the morning, and by the end of it, I was like sitting up, being like, "Holy shit! I don't know if I can sleep now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also got really lucky. I had heard I had heard like slight things about the beheading scene with the little girl, but I didn't know enough to know what what they were talking about. So I I was fortunate not to have this spoiled. And then of course, the yeah. witch I watched on a whim a couple months ago. Austin was like, "Just watch it already." You like the lighthouse? Watch his other movie. <laughs> um, all I'll say is, um, if you're doing drugs, stop it. Get some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is definitely one of my favorite recent horror movies to come out. Um, this is uh, 
one of the most memorable. Like I, I remember Martin Scorsese saying this is like one of his favorite movies to come out in recent years, and um, I think it deserves kind of all the hype. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. Although, yeah, I, I think say... this and the two uh, Eggers films were like my three favorite uh, horror films in the last like probably decade, honestly. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I feel more, like... yeah. Yeah, this is like up there with The Exorcist and, to a certain extent, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's so, Baby is great yeah. too. Yeah. I need to. Read yeah, I still need to see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree that both of these are really good, and Lighthouse, of course, as well is awesome. But we're saving that for another video. Yeah. Uh, it just kind of makes me bummed that the state most horror is in right now, because occasionally you'll get some good stuff like It Chapter One. However, you feel about that, I mean, it's a pretty good film. Uh, stuff like that, but you don't get things like this that are are grounded enough. Like, don't get me wrong, I like the out there schlock stuff, but I like to have like a balance between. Like say your Jason X's and this, you know exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. If we, and... get, if we did get more stuff like this, then we would start complaining that it gets saving after a while. But I don't know. <laughs> it just depends on what you receive. No, your... I don't mean this exact kind of movie. I just mean movies of this quality. Oh well. Well, I, one of my things is so uh, like so much modern horrors, like the jump scare stuff, like. Even, like, It Chapter 1, like, I like that movie more for the characters. Like, the horror stuff kind of holds it down a bit. But the characters are really good. But, like, this, it's... Like Dan said, you get stuff like, oh, the mom's in the corner. If you see it, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> freaky. <laughs> the close you really, closest you really get to, like, a, a proper jump scare is when she then, like, runs out of the corner. But that only really got me, like, the first time. The second time I knew it was coming, so I was like, "Oh God!" Like here it comes! Like yeah. I'm freaking out! And yeah. then it and then it happened, and I was like, "It didn't catch me as much because I knew where she was coming from, so I noticed her earlier in the scene." And I was just like, "Oh God!" <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't even a jump scare at that point, but it was still like it was still freaky. And uh, I don't know, more modern horror needs to be like that, like. Just having things jump at the camera isn't scary. <laughs> well, yeah, you forget about like why that stuff is scary because it's like you have to build tension and then pay it off with with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what they do in a lot of the like jump scare horror movies I've seen, at least, it's just kind of like here's a spooky thing and it's loud. <laughs> it's close it's, to the it's camera. Just a, it's just a natural <laughs> impulse. If something comes at you very close, your natural yeah. reaction is going to be to jump back. A bit. Yeah, it's uh, being startled before you're scared. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because like the movies like that, like the jump scare stuff, I can like go to sleep no problem after like being a little yeah. alarmed by a spooky thing coming close to the camera. Like this movie, because it made me like think is why I was like, oh man, <laughs> it's going to take a while to fall asleep for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, uh, that's what I had with uh, like this and uh, The Vavitch. And this is, I think, more of a traditional like horror film yeah. than that is. And, uh, like, but both of them, it was, it was more about the ideas that it presents you with, where it's like, oh my god, like, that's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. How do you make a treehouse in and of itself scary, but this film does that? It's... That's a treehouse of horror, yeah. Yeah. 
It's true. <laughs> you just had to remember. You had to work that in some way. He's been waiting like all He night. set me up. I know. Where, where I, I know. I make this up for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm going to give this a four out of five. I like it quite a bit. I would watch this again, but this is one of those movies I very much have to be in the mood for. Because uh, it is a little longer than your average horror movie, and it is very slow paced. Nothing wrong with that, of course. But I'd have to be a very much in a, a specific mood to watch this. Mm-hmm. All right, Austin. Uh... Uh, I'm I'm conflicted. I'm stuck between like a four point five and a five, and I'm not sure which to go for. Um... Yeah, split the difference. I'm gonna go with a four point seven five eight three nine. Oh, you're impossible. <laughs> oh, uh, what are you guys? You would watch it again. Uh, yeah. All right, Dan. Out of five, what do you think? Um, I would give it a five. Um. There's not really much I would change about it. I really like the the slow pacing. I love all the performances. Um, we talked about Tony Collette the most because she's like the the big standout. But I think all the act the other actors do a really good job. I think the son, um, especially, is probably the second best uh, performance in the movie. I really liked him in this. Um, so yeah, um, I would definitely recommend it. If you like psychological, slow paced, slow burn, tension building kind of movies. Um, about families that hate each other. Apparently, that's the kind of horror movie I like the most. Most characters working against each other. It's what yeah. stories are all about. Have, yeah. uh, they don't necessarily hate each other, but just speaking of families and horror, have you seen like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre films? I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Because that, that that's family together, that mostly works together. together, but they work together to eat people. It's interesting. Um, interesting. Nobody cares what what Milton thinks of this movie. Moving on to The Witch now. <laughs> what uh, out of five? What what are you going to give it? Zero out of five, John. <laughs> I like how you said that. Like I would care. Like not enough Agamemnon. Not enough Christian references. It's Greek mythology. It's not Christian stuff. Relax. Um, uh, five out of five. Actually, I think. Agamemnon might have actually been a real historical figure, but he's been steeped in mythology so much that we're not really sure what accounts are real and which ones are just legends. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to... Uh, so, I don't think I've told anybody about this, but I've been keeping track on Letterboxd of all the movies we give a 5 out of 5. And I think since this got 3 out of 4 of us giving it a 5 out of 5, this is going to go on the list. Uh, with and the only other film on the list, do you remember what it is? Do you know what it is, Austin? It's the thing. It yeah. is the thing. This and the thing are the only two movies that have gotten a five out of five from us. Yeah, because uh, the thing is a masterpiece. Well, that's not cool. gonna be the only thing that gets a five out of five from me tonight. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, I, I, I don't want to obviously spoil it, but since Austin already kind of let the cat out of the bag, I'm pretty sure I'm going to give this next movie a five out of five. I think um, I might do as well. It, it's a very interesting way of how we kind of reverse the format here, but yeah. Well, it's all Austin's fault. Cause... <laughs> so Austin, because I I kind of associate like Robert Eggers movies with you since you're the one that encouraged me to watch The Witch and, and it, I think The Lighthouse as well. So like, that's just why it, that my brain works that way. 
so I gotta about, describe it. Tell us about okay, the witch. Um, the witch is a film uh, by Humpty Dumpty, and it's about a witch. <laughs> no, uh, it's about a family in I think it's New England, right? Yeah. Um, and they're kicked out of the colony that they live in, and they're living kind of out uh, by themselves next to a forest where there are some witches, and they're kind of being, uh, I don't know if haunted's the right word, but they're kind of, like, dealing with some troubles with them. And they also have a goat that's uh, possibly Satan. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That they're all kind of dealing with. And it's, uh, like, it's a slow burn movie, but I think with this and Hereditary, I never really feel the length, because I'm just so drawn into what's happening. Um. Yeah, and just uh, hijinks ensue. <laughs> so, the thing about making Austin review it is because Eggers really wanted to film this whole thing in New England, but he had to film it in Canada instead. So, oh, okay. So, Dan, as our it's because we're not properly colonized yet, so it still looks like the 1600s. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, as our resident New Englander, how accurate is this movie? <laughs> Um, well, I think the sort of, um, most accurate thing about it is the portrayal of, like, um, the puritanical Christian religious culture in New England at the time. Um, I think it's, the movie is kind of about, like, um, like, faith, religion in many ways, and, like, also... Um, how people are are tempted by evil, um, and how they stray from the the path of God, and all of those sorts of things. Like um, the the movie sort of opens with the father being so prideful that he gets his family exiled from the colony because he doesn't want to compromise on his religious beliefs, um, and he thinks that his faith in um, the beliefs that got him kicked out of the community will save them, and that it will lead them to salvation and protect them and. None of that happens because they move right next to a witch that lives in the woods. Um, and, you know, the the son, like, is constantly checking out his sister. He's got, like, some lust issues. So I'm not, all of the, the members of the family are very pious and religious, but um, are sinful at the same time and are constantly begging for forgiveness. Um, and it's kind of like the worst nightmare scenario, like to a person that's that religious, what could possibly happen to them, you know? Um, and that's what I liked about it, um, in in terms of its connection to New England's um, culture. Yeah, if you definitely know the history behind, uh, you know, the pilgrims coming in the, uh, the 1630s, uh, basically you had a lot of the Puritans, which was actually a slur term at the time, um, it's just you had these people who want to separate themselves and just be so holy. Then you had these people that got on the boat because apparently they were trying to portray themselves as more holy than those people. And now yeah. we have this character who says, I am the holiest of holy and no one is holier than I kind of thing. So it's like where that sort of thing kind of just spirals in and of itself and just leads to destruction. Yeah, and sort of the impulses that the community turned on this family that exiled them is also the thing that destroys the family. Um, 
like how they get, they all get suspicious of each other for making a pact with the devil. And I would imagine that's kind of what happened with, you know, these people getting kicked out of their community. Like it was heretical religious beliefs. Cause I think they, they talk about, uh, Jehovah. They may have been Jehovah's witnesses. I don't know if that is, I don't think so. And they make, they make references to catechism of, I'm, I'm not sure if it's like Heidelberg catechism or whatnot, but it, they're definitely like very much like the whole Calvinist yeah. kind of doctrine. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like how they kind of go into the, the kind of witch trial thing where uh, like everybody's kind of suspicious of, of each other. Uh, it's pretty interesting uh, for that time period. That, that's I, don't, I don't know as much about religion. So <laughs> like yeah, most I, of that I, stuff I goes over my head. Same here. When I, <laughs> What I really latched onto this was like the sense of isolation and them slowly turning on each other. Uh, a lot of the religious stuff goes over my head because I, I don't know a lot about that. And also just uh, Anna Taylor-Joy's character's like progression. It's almost kind of like the anti-coming-of-age story where she goes from a good person to basically signing herself over to the devil. I found yeah, that it's, really interesting. It's definitely a story of maturity and like um, I think the themes of the story in terms of her character are interesting because she's stuck in this really um, oppressive culture where she doesn't really have any choices about her life. Like her parents literally like discuss selling her to another family at one point. And she doesn't really have any kind of control over her own, um, her own destiny and like becoming a witch at the end, you know, she's making a pact with the devil. So it's a very evil thing, but the reason why it's interesting is because you can understand why a character would be tempted by that sort of like freedom and liberation that you see her, exi- you know, where she's just kind of naked at the end, being able to do whatever she wants rather than, you know, following her father's directions and doing whatever her family says, you know? Um, there's, yeah, there's her definitely... ripping her clothes off at the end is her like uh, throwing away at the society that she left. Yeah, yeah exactly. The there's definitely an element. There's definitely an element where Christianity ought to basically be teaching, you know, its community, taking the joy of being part of this and being, you know, released. You don't have to be guilty. But unfortunately, with this puritanical thing of the day, they really want to emphasize guilt and just the fact that we are depraved people. Just being in that situation, the alternative is you want to go to this other thing that, you know, advertises the sort of comfort living deliciously it's no wonder why she wants to you know pursue something that doesn't make her feel guilty all yeah the time and make her feel like she's worthless absolutely yeah I, I, um, that's the i think some of the best stuff in the movie and as well as just the attention to detail kind of like hereditary this movie has an insane attention to detail uh even if sometimes it annoys me because there are times where i can't tell what a character's saying <laughs> yeah sometimes i also watch the movie with subtitles on I had to as well. But I have that with both of his films, especially The Lighthouse, when uh, those two start going on. I can't tell what they're saying. <laughs> uh, I, I've read old English stuff. It gets difficult because sometimes the text just, it gets so wordy. And the ty- and the typology is very different from like what we understand the English language to be. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I love like, that they didn't modernize uh, the dialogue. Um, I do too. I just, you know, at times it's like, what are you saying? It's like, well, is, it, is it that, or is it the fact that the father's like this? It might also be part of the father's accent, but I will say, so I think Anna Taylor's voice is so cool. It is. It's so cool. 
Anna, Ta- Anna Taylor Joy might be the best actor slash actress in this film, but I think the dad is my favorite just because, like Austin said, his voice is so cool and like he just has this presence about him. Uh, yeah. I like that actor a lot. I don't know what and, else he's been in, but Anna Taylor Joy was that was the first audition for this movie, like the very first <laughs> thing that happened. It's quite a lucky strike on Edgar's part. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really good in this. Um, I think all the performances are really good. Like, even, um, you know, the younger brother, like, one of the creepiest scenes in this entire movie is when he's kind of, like, uh, dying, and there's, like, a demon inside him, and he, he thinks it's Jesus, and he's, like, the warm embrace, and he talks to uh, Jesus like he's uh, uh, having, you know, kissing it like he did with the witch in the woods, so that they're, like, referencing that kind of stuff, and then, like... You know, the apple comes out of his mouth and he's dead. That sh- that stuff was riveting to me. His performance was great. And um, I really liked the mom, too, because she's very, like, bitter and greedy. Um, that's kind of, like, the sin that damns her soul. Because um, she's so concerned about this, like, silver cup that her dad passed down to her. She's like, where's my cup? And everyone's like... <laughs> yeah, so... If you ever wanted, like, religious symboli- symbolism, the apple, you know, a lot of what... Yeah. The reasons why we could... we you know, look at the apple as like that's the fruit of the tree of the garden. Good and evil is because it was kind of cemented as this idea back then. We don't yeah. actually know what the fruit was. The book never, the Bible never actually says what it is, but it in Christian mythology, yeah. um, the devil also appears frequently as a black goat. So, yeah. like, when I saw that at the farm, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, black <laughs> goat, yeah. uh, this has one of my favorite movie posters, too, where at least the one that I used for the thumbnail is just like a black background and like the head, like the top head, half of the head of the goat. Yeah. And it's just really foreboding. Uh, but real quick, uh, Noah says both movies get a 9 out of 10 from him, which that's I can agree with that. Uh, and he also says that the dad is in the UK version of The Office, and he thought it was funny to see him in this movie. I've never oh, seen the UK version because I don't like the American version, so I just like, eh. But that's interesting. Huh. Uh, I wouldn't want to work with this guy at an office. <laughs> Apparently, I just imagine him like... lumbering around, like yelling about the word of God and praying. Yeah, the the commitment to like using an actual animal on set is also quite laudable, considering apparently in the behind the scenes, like Blackfield was like notoriously difficult to film with. Oh, uh, oh really? I didn't. Yeah. I watched this on uh, Showtime because I got really lucky in this and Hereditary were both on Showtime since I don't own either one of them yet. So there was no like behind the scenes for me to watch or anything. Uh, yeah, uh, my granddad is a uh, veterinarian and uh, has a farm. And as a kid, I always asked him to get a goat and he was like, no, goats are assholes that do what they want. <laughs> they are. I've, I've actually had encounters with them and uh, some of them are Nice and docile, but the male goes especially. Oh, they're, shit. They're He's very encounters and, yeah, and they're uh, apparently very bad for like just smashing you on the ass with their horns while you're like trying to bend over and stuff. <laughs> well, see, Austin, this movie was very, uh, very attention to detail oriented. When that yeah, goat stabs the actor, he actually stabbed him, and like they just managed to catch that in the film. Well, that's why it like doesn't fully catch it because it's like a close up of him, and like you can maybe just see the kind of the horns come in from the side. That must be why. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the breed for Blackfell is like the old old Irish goat. I think that's what the breed is actually called. Or something like uh, that. But to bring it back to for just a second to what Dan was talking about with the apple, I didn't realize that was an apple that he had coughed up at first, and it's kind of hard to tell. 
But it's interesting that it is because if I remember correctly, there's an entire like speech that one of the characters has about like missing apples because there's mm-hmm. like they yes. can't find apples anymore. Uh, the so son actually the... says it. He tells the mom a lie about um, how her, uh, him, and the dad like went out in in the woods while they were going to like hunt and like sell the cup, and, and he told him the story about all that stuff. Um, so it's basically like, you know, his sin was lying to his mother and he coughs it up, you know? <laughs> there's also a double sin as well of, I mean, sex is, was often said back then of being called like knowledge or carnal knowledge or, or knowing. Yeah. yeah. There, so the idea of like, you know, knowledge of good and evil spits out the apple, shows that there's a bite in it. And we presume like right before that, he probably had some sort of weird sex ritual thing with the witch in the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm assuming that there's more than one at this point because, um, as I as I found in the wiki, the the baby solution is apparently just for flying. It's not actually for youth or something like that. Yeah, yes, they like turn them into like butter or something. I think right, and that like allows them to fly. Yeah, because like uh, she puts it on herself, and then you see like her on the floor of the cave. I think with like a. I think it was a broomstick or something, but then she, like, there's a shot of, like, that old witch, and, like, they show, like, the moon, and it's like, oh, she's gonna go flying now, after she has all the blood all over. Yeah, both these movies really commit to ugly nakedness. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the real reason Austin put these two together. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and I mentioned, we mentioned, I think, at the beginning of the show that both of these movies deal with, like, really shitty parents. I think these two take the award for the night for shitty parents, uh, at least to poor Anna Taylor Joy's character, because like they both assault her at least once in the film. Yeah, uh, yeah. and the dad comes off as a crazy person, like in- insisting that she's the witch and to tell him that she is, uh, so that they can repent. And she's like, "But I'm not. I'm not." And he's like, "No, you must tell me." Uh, There's like well, a whole thing of like older siblings getting like a lot of responsibility just thrust upon them. Especially when they have a lot of younger siblings. Um, oh yeah, yeah. There's definitely an element of that with just undue responsibility and like undue expectations. Um, yeah, really but I mean, with this specifically, though, a big chunk of that is uh, it's set up early in the film. Like she's messing with one of her, young, her younger siblings, and it's like you know, I'm the I'm the witch of the woods, and and the younger sister just blabs it out. Uh, I think to take attention off herself, but I could be wrong. Those, those twins are terrible people, though. Highly spoiled. They're all terrible people. I mean, oh, let's I be they in particular are really annoying. It's it's no wonder why Anna Taylor Joy just snaps at them, considering they're taunting her for like the death of their younger brother. Well, and it's interesting too. Like, I agree with you that they are like shitty parents, but I think one of the interesting things about this film and why I like it is that. Even though it has all the supernatural stuff in it, it's pretty realistic in the in the sense that like living by yourself in colonial times in the woods would be really hard work, and like you you um, if things go wrong, it goes really bad really quickly. Um, like their crops don't grow, and and all those you know um, he's not able to catch anything while hunting to eat. Um, people are getting sick, and they don't really have any help, you know. Um, it's like the choices they have to make are shitty, but like, for example, when they were like making the choice to whether or not they should sell their daughter, like, you know, as a, as a wife or a servant or whatever, I don't know exactly what the implication was, but 
to have them have her go care for another family like their idea was well either she goes or we starve you know those are the choices they have to make <laughs> yeah i mean i assumed it was for marriage because they have that's like, what i thought the whole too. reason that they're t- talking about that is because she's become of a certain age yeah they say she's yeah. like becoming a woman and all of that kind of stuff yeah uh, there, there, there's a certain element of that that was definitely present in that culture i mean we had yeah. jamestown that was already established like quite before you know Pil- pilgrim's rock and all that yeah, that could, that the was... first two attempts, the casualties were enormous. Oh yeah, plagues and wars with yeah. Indians and stuff. But yeah, I mean, um... I, like all of these people in reality are, are shitty people to an ex- at least a certain extent. But like, absolutely, you understand why, and it's you know very much of it's uh, a thing of just the times that these characters live in. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite is when the mom just like gives up at the end and just starts freaking out and trying to kill Anna Taylor Joy. <laughs> Yeah, so he seduced my husband and your brother. <laughs> like what? Yep. I, I yeah, I like the whole uh, sad thing of where like the father's like pushed back into the pile of wood because that's like the only thing that he's good for, and that essentially as as, becomes his grave. Yeah, as soon as that guy started chopping wood, like the dad from the Amityville Horror, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, and it shocked me the first time uh, when he gets gored by the uh, by Black Philip. Like it, it just like comes out of nowhere. It's like holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I mean, up until that point, they're pretty like ambiguous on if this is actually the devil or if it's just like a goat that's kind of an asshole. <laughs> I think. It well, I kind of saw it as ambiguous throughout the film until obviously the end, uh, where the first time I watched it, it was like. 5.30 in the morning at that point and just like all the hairs on my back stood up and I was like oh my god <laughs> holy yeah. shit when he starts talking yeah, although Austin you know what I couldn't stop thinking about this time when I was watching it because I knew that the goat was like evil uh, mm-hmm. drag me to hell I couldn't stop thinking about the talking goat <laughs> I, it's, I love the you touch because the devil becomes a nobleman because in a lot of the literature of the time and illustrations, the devil was shown to be this charming gentleman sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like the Dracula thing too, right? Like, you know, because he seduces her with promises of like living deliciously, like being able to have luxuries like butter that she didn't, I mean, they were just eating bread out in, you know, this, this shack in the woods because of their dad, you know, like <laughs> he like tempts her with the finer things in life. That's what he kind of promises her. Um, so I agree with you. It makes a lot of sense that he appears as someone that has all of those sorts of things as a demonstration to her. Like, this is what I offer, you know? And I kept looking at the credits to see who, the, who was the actor who portrayed the nobleman, you know, in body, but for whatever reason, he's not credited inside the actual movie. Um, oh, that's awesome. That yeah. reminds me of, like, the old Universal uh, horror films where you get, like, a question mark uh, instead of an actor's name for the monster. Yeah, oh. I did eventually find it, but uh, I forgot, so, you know, do your own research, I guess. Mm-hmm. When he's based off of uh, Pan, right, like the uh, the demon goat uh, creature? Kind of. It's, I could see uh, that bringing in a little Greek mythology. A, a lot of like Christian, you know, um, stuff like that, especially of the day, was like heavily informed by like the Renaissance period happened, and so we had a lot of resurgence of like Greco-Roman and yeah. adjacent stuff coming in to inform like these are the devils. They're represented by these ancient gods or 
demons or whatnot. Um, so there, there's a bit the, of that. It could be Pan. We all know the moral of this movie. The moral of this movie is that people back in the olden days were stupid, and they got what they deserved. <laughs> and people today. No, the moral is don't trust twins. Them. Twins are inherently evil. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are still just as stupid today as they were back then, just in different um, ways. But yeah, and I, this is also I got lucky and like I didn't know anything about this movie. I remember seeing like advertisements when it came out because this and some other movie that, but I never got around to it. Then just me and Austin were chatting in the Discord, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna put this on. Like I love the lighthouse. I should finally just buckle down and do this. So I was like, okay, uh, is something gonna happen at some point? And then the the scene with the kid where like spits up the apple. Do you remember this, Austin? Uh, the scene with the apple happens. So I was like, oh, okay. I'm in, and by the end of the movie, I was like, okay, like this is good. I like the lighthouse a little bit better, but this is also fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if I can choose after <laughs> watching it again. Like, I love this movie just as much as the lighthouse. I think I used to say the lighthouse before, but um, I don't know. There's some like new things I noticed like going on in this movie when I watch it again. Like it happens with all of this type of film, and I was like, wow. Yeah. We wouldn't have gone to Lighthouse without this movie. That's, so that's funny. I had the skill. kind of opposite reaction where uh, I was always yeah. like, the Lighthouse is really good, but the Witch is way better. And um, I don't know, I had a really good rewatch of the Lighthouse recently. Um, and I'm like, ah, they're like neck and neck. Yeah, <laughs> I that's can't, I can't just add the really hard. You guys, um, you guys just need to eat William Defoe's lobster some more. Well, for, for me, with that one, um, because when I saw it in the theater, I was like, "This is really good," but like, the witch is better. And then, uh, like, uh, COVID happened, and I was kind of like stuck at my mom's for several months and couldn't leave or anything. Like, couldn't really go out anywhere. And I rewatched it, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is like a masterpiece!" Yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> me right now. Isolation, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really love i love movies just about like being isolated somewhere uh and yeah. for me with lighthouse it's it edges out a little bit but that's mostly just because like willem dafoe is batshit crazy in that movie uh so when i say like, i prefer lighthouse just on a pure like entertainment level uh that movie is i think just much crazier than this one is to a point well that's the thing with this too is when i saw it i also saw it blind and the big thing i heard was this movie's kind of boring and then, like I said, I watched it at like three or four in the morning, and I was already tired when I put it on. I was like wide awake the entire time. I was so drawn into this film, and I was yeah. like, "Who says this is boring? This movie's awesome." Yeah, people that are used to the, the spooky go bang stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's well, not Annabelle Six. <laughs> and admittedly, this. Like, I don't watch many movies like this. Like, you, I've said many times, you know, I prefer the trashier, like, stupid films. But, I, you know, once in a while I'll find something like this where I can really, like, appreciate the the nuance to it. Uh, so it, it took me a while to get into it, but once I did, I was, like, I was hooked. It's um, a very traditionally produced film, which is uh, refreshing by today's standards, where, like, a lot of stuff is very controlled and... A lot of set designs, like a green screen stuff like that. But this is very a very practically shot film. With a lot of well, there's an art to the editing of this film too. Like the um, the scene where uh, the baby disappears, where they're playing peekaboo, is so atmospheric and like 
when you actually like stop and think about the scene, like there's nothing like super scary happening until obviously the baby disappears. But just the editing is so good that it just like it makes it so eerie. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love the the scene where you just see it's so creepy. You just see the it's like a shot from like right behind the baby's head, like level with it, and you see the witch's like hand just going over the baby, like touching it on the face and on its chest and stuff, and then it just immediately cuts to her mashing it up in like a in in one of those like I forget what they're called, a butter churner kind of thing. Yeah. It's not exactly that, but it's like a similar kind of idea and you're like, Oh my yeah, god. It's like a more <laughs> pestle kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's some real horrifying imagery just in general, like that shot with uh, the mom where there's like the crow uh, pecking away at her breast. Yeah. Like, it's freaky. (laughs) Uh, And the other thing I appreciate about this movie is it's also only like an hour and a half. Uh, Because like with horror movies, like I I prefer a horror movie that's roughly around an hour and a half. There are some exceptions like, you know, Dr. Sleep or, or The Shining even. Uh, but I find most movies have a good sense of pacing and like get their story told effectively at that hour and a half mark. Yeah, uh, and he really knows how to use that hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys theory crafting time? Oh no! <laughs> do you guys think that the family had a connection with, or any of them had a connection with, like the devil or this witch before they went out there? I'm gonna say no, and I think that works to the theming. The reason why is because I think uh, the devil is more interested in targeting what's already there with what we're not conscious of or just don't want to accept about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more present. I do think that there's a thing of the undisciplined twins, like unwittingly and essentially creating uh, a pact with Black Phillip just by singing his songs and by hanging out with him all the time. And I think that's a background thing that develops. I think it's possible because by the time we first introduced Black Phillip, the twins are already really familiar with him. Yeah, and they brought the goat out there with them, right? Yeah, Yeah. so I'm I'm thinking the twins had formed this this pact or bond or whatever before they left, but it doesn't, the goat waits to act on it until they're out and uh, on their own. Well, that could be like part of how they got kicked out of their colony, too. Yeah. Just unknowingly uh, to them at the moment. Yeah, I mean that's that's entirely possible. I guess the father thought it was about religion, but in reality, it was just an old Irish goat. We need the Vavitch, the beginning, the um, prequel film about how they got kicked out. <laughs> so you gotta wonder, right? Like, um, my thought was something like, you know, they were exiled out there they just happen to come upon this, like, place with a witch. Like, does the community, like, every once in a while just exile people out there so the witch will leave them alone? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think they, they chose location in other cells. I think it's the yeah. idea of you can't escape from fate if you're a damned well, character, and, or if you damn yourself, essentially fate will consume you. Yeah. Like that. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's pride before the fall, right? None well, of this yeah. would have happened if the father hadn't been so prideful. Uh, and yep. left the community. Which, he was right. like, every, everything with the characters is really interesting. Like like I mentioned, some of the religious stuff goes over my head because, to be honest, I don't really care. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I, I find all the character stuff interesting and the kind of like anti coming of age uh, yeah. for me, as well as just they the all have paranoia. Yeah, they all have individual contributions to make as to why everything single person's fault entirely like it's like oh like the dad got them exiled but like if um you know they the the older daughter had not taken the baby out there if the son hadn't taken off into the woods with his sister by themselves if the twins hadn't talked to black you know what i mean like they're all sort of like making bad choices that lead to the collapse of everything and everybody's obsessed with um, appearances. The father yeah. especially, like, takes, I think, takes a gold cup on that because he doesn't even want to admit his own faults in front of his children or even in front of his wife. He's yeah, it's part of his pride. Yeah. When he's, like, screaming at the sky while she's, like, watching him through the gate that they nailed her up, or, her up in in the pen. And he's like, I have not damned my family. <laughs> Save my children, please. I'd like to see other stuff that he's in. Not The Office, mind you, but I'd like to see if he's in any other stuff that looks it, There's also an element of like lack of scripture, certainly, that's like referenced throughout the movie. Like apparently like no one can remember actual scripture throughout it. When the dad calls for it, they don't even want to like reference the Bible at all. All that they reference to courts or theology is like catechism. It's only really until right before the father is killed by Black Phillip in the woodpile that he actually references the book of Job, like directly and actually quotes scripture. Yeah. That's the only time, as far as I remember, when it's actually ever said. The thing with Job comes up multiple times, too, because when um, the wife says it at one point, she says, I don't want to be the wife of Job to you. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to curse God, but it's, it's certainly a significant thing of, like, the almost rejection of puritanical belief by saying we should have just stayed in England. We should never have sought to disassociate ourselves from other Christians or like the rest of the world. Yeah. It's sort of an exploration of what uh, blind religious zealotry can do to you, you know? Turns people into crazies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was the stuff that I really liked with... um... Uh, like just the suspicion of uh, like which kid is the witch with the family and it all makes them uh, like turn on each other. Yeah, the dad's just like ready to kill all the kids too. <laughs> yeah, the part where he picks up the one twin and starts shaking. Them. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was the first time I watched this for a second. There, I thought he was going to kill uh, Anna Taylor Joy when he's like yeah. out in the yard with her. I'm like, dude, need to chill out. And then like. Five minutes later, her mom has her, like, on the ground, is, like, shaking her head into the dirt. Well, I mean, he essentially, like, leaves them for dead just by shutting them up with this allegedly cursed goat. So. Yeah. 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 It's like he's a back-and-forth character where he himself doesn't understand what he's doing. It's time for you to go in the timeout area with the dead. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm, I'm discovering more and more that I just like movies where people turn on each other, like fall apart due to paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you know what else uh, religious altry leads to? What? In 10 years, uh, the English Civil War happens, and the Puritans yeah. take over the government. <laughs> Foreigner is Israelite. Hi, welcome to the stream. Thanks for stopping by. 
uh, I haven't seen that name before. Always good to see a, a new person in the chat. Oh, oh yeah. And a foreigner at that. <laughs> Says the foreigner. <laughs> I'm not foreign in this land, though. <laughs> well, from my point of view, you're world. all foreigners. <laughs> in the land of the internet, we are all foreign. Uh, so, I, Austin, uh, well, actually, since you introduced the movie, talk, like, it talked about the movie at the start. Uh, Milton, final thoughts slash rating? Final thoughts? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> concerning technical design, it's really cool that from my home state of Virginia, they bring in a guy to actually build these sets because he is experienced in, like, Jamestown architecture and all that, so. That's cool. The attention to details really spot on with like the thatch roof, like construction and the inner workings. It's this is stuff that people could actually make. And it brings into this idea of the father had to draw from the forest in order to actually make a home. Which is a element that um I think a lot of people can miss out on. Just taking a set for granted. You know, he had to chop down trees from the forest and the foundation was corrupt from the start. Yeah, for sure. And your rating? Five out of five. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm not. I don't want to be so cavalier with these like perfect ratings, but this is a really good movie. I, I don't know if you people can watch be it. Cavalier when you've given three movies a five out of five. Like... After saying you would never give a film a five out of five because <laughs> no film deserves a perfect rating. Well, uh... <laughs> I, I have changed. You you all have changed. You've it. seen the light, yeah. We have both this film and Hereditary. There's like nothing to change about them. Like they're just kind of perfect. And we don't get a lot of perfect films these days. It's True. it's breath of fresh air. <laughs> See, with Milton, you got to remember that he's now sat through Underworld, and that changes the person. Makes you realize that there there's a one out of five film out there, so there must be a five out of five. <laughs> Wouldn't give Underworld too much credit for anything honestly but anyway uh i mean we I, we already kind of gave away how we feel about this movie but i figured just for professionalism uh dan go ahead and final thoughts in five out of you're out of five. Oh uh, yeah <laughs> so i really really like this movie i think um it executes all of the thematic ideas it wants to play with uh masterfully i think um, the choice to make the dialogue accurate to the period was really interesting. That was one of the things I found the most interesting about it the first time I watched it. Um, I think it adds a lot to the sort of um, the religious stuff that it wants to go over because it sounds like people that would realistically believe in all the things they believe in and um, they're dealing with problems that those people from the time are dealing with. Um, so I liked that authenticity a lot. I think it brings a lot of gravity to the film. Um, and yeah, uh, other than that, I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5 because it's it's great. You should watch it. <laughs> I am also going to give it a 5 out of 5. Uh, I think there's a little something here for everyone, whether you come from someone, for instance, like Milton's background, He, you know, he's very uh, well-versed in uh, religious, the religious aspects of this film and things like that. Uh, or someone like me, who is more interested in just the base character stuff, like the isolation and the paranoia and the sort of coming of age story with Anna Taylor Joy's character. Uh, so I'm going to give that a five out of five as well. And then uh, the Canuck over here. 
Uh, five out of five. I can't wait for uh, the Northman this year. Uh, that's going to be great. Yeah, Dan and I were talking about that a little bit while we were waiting for you. Yeah. I forgot this mm-hmm. that comes out this year, though. Yeah, and uh, uh, Anya Taylor joins in that, too. Oh, is she really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, her. she's coming back, and uh, Willem Dafoe's in it, too. So he's yeah, bringing in like a few that. people he's worked with, yeah. So cool. <laughs> it's like he's becoming Quentin Tarantino with like retaining actors for his projects. It's, it's really yeah, cool. well, and I really hope he eventually gets to make his uh, Nosferatu remake because he signed on for that like after uh, The Witch came out, and I think it's just kind of like been pushed back and pushed back. But I really hope he's able to make that. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I need to see the other stuff that Anya Taylor Joy has been in because she also did. Um, New Mutants. Yeah, yeah the best um, movie ever made. But no, she was also, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, she was also in a movie that portrayed um, Queen Victoria? No, not Queen Victoria. Queen's um, Gambit? No, it's... You're talking about Emma? No, that's that's Jane Austen, man. That's I don't know anything about I, yeah, Jane Austen. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Well, while he's while he's doing that, uh, at the end of the show, we usually announce what we're going to do next week to give people kind of an idea. Uh, so I, but I have two different options that I, I'm thinking of doing. Uh, obviously, after this week, we'll be moving to either a Friday night or Saturday afternoon uh, streaming schedule, depending on uh, availability for both Austin and Milton. And of course, you know Dan, whenever he wants to uh, give us essays on whatever movie we're doing. Absolutely. Uh, so. My before we pick Austin, would you be available not this Saturday but next Saturday? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look into it. <laughs> Maybe because if you are, I would like to do Hellraiser and Nightmare on Elm Street, but I don't want to do those without you because you love both of those movies. Uh yeah, I can look into it to see if I can show up. Okay, so what we're gonna do then, since he's non-committal. <laughs> I was just asked on the spot. I don't know. Uh, Milton, go ahead and pull up the wheel. Uh, when it's just me and him, me and yep. Milton, we just spin a wheel that has all the movie choices that Austin put together. Uh, and it just kind of depend decides what we're going to watch. Yeah, you're going to uh, see this horror show. Yeah. Oh, God. It hasn't been kind to us. All right. Let me, oh, uh, let me just Bird make Box sure fucking I sucked. Let me just make sure that I took off. I mean, there's a lot of good movies in the stuff I put together, so... There is. We just keep getting shitty options. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think it's fine. All right, I will share it. Do-do-do-do. All right. Let's see. Where's, like, Big Money No Whammies? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we'll see it yet. No. I don't know what's wrong with the thing. Um, yeah, I got two purple squares. Yeah, so hang, on, hang on, let me let me try a different way. Uh, this wow. show. <laughs> there we go. Let's try Dan, I promise we're usually more professional. <laughs> there we That's go. Okay. Dan's been on twice. He knows. He knows better than your lies. Right. So, um, <laughs> is that close enough? Can people? See yeah, it? we can see it. All right. Let's. Well, oh. You'll still see it? Yeah, but I have to like go in close to see it. (laughs) 
The hunt. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm okay with that. Those are those are pretty solid movies. Alrighty. Um, I mean, one is. <laughs> which one do you like? I, I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, Ready or Not's pretty pretty alright. Yeah, I like that movie quite a bit. The Hunt wasn't bad. I mean, it's it's a little dumb at times, but it was entertaining for an hour and a half. It's your first uh, Blumhouse film, uh, no, Milton. Good luck. No, it's <laughs> not. Uh, what did we do? We did a Blumhouse film a couple weeks ago. Is it? Hang on, I gotta look this up. He's been giving me shit ever since we started the show because I don't hate Blumhouse movies. Oh, it's it's not because you don't hate them; it's because you love them. <laughs> I don't love them. I just enjoy them, whether they're you the suck their ones. dick more than Sony's. Fuck <laughs> 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 He's looking. He's cautiously optimistic about the Blumhouse oh uh, God, thing. <laughs> what did we do? No, I, I mean, hopefully I'll get a better opinion of Blumhouse with, with the more good stuff that's been released. I just haven't taken the time yet. Yeah, like the Halloween and Invisible Man, and then... Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Those movies were good. Are <laughs> ready or not? Like, two out of the, like, 900 films they put out in the last, like, four years. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Dan. We we really <laughs> well, appreciate it. I must a, be it's a blast. But uh, yeah, Dan, uh, thank you for stopping by. We will announce on Twitter when Austin decides if he's going to show up or not. Um, well, if he's available, we'll be we need to be forgiving the to the knuckles here. I mean, I don't care if he shows up or not. I'm going to give him a hard time. But like, I understand this. You have to put up with. Do you see what I have to put up with? What bullying me? <laughs> but anyway, uh, Dan, if you ever, if any of the movies that we're ever talking about interest you outside of the ones that we've already talked about, you know, you're more than welcome. Uh, we'll be back yeah. next Friday or Saturday, depending, with one of the two out of the four movies that we picked here tonight. <laughs> uh, I was, I was thinking Austin would be available, so I didn't really have a backup plan, but it's fine. You know, uh, but yeah, thank you guys, and we will talk at you next week.